Hey, this is Lisa Foyles from Top 5 with Lisa Foyles, and you are listening to Stolen Droids. Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 155. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zahner. And I'm Zook. And this is the episode for Monday, March 18th, or the week of, I should say. I actually had to check a calendar this time before I said that since it's a good thing. our debacle last week. We just got done with our pre-show, well, like an hour ago. And we've been goofing off ever since. If you were there, we appreciate it. If you weren't, you should really check us out. Uh, let us know what you think of the pre-show. We're not sure. Uh, we we're not sure it's what everyone wants. So you know, give us your thoughts on it. If you'd like to see, if you'd like to see us do something else, we would love to hear it uh, and uh, consider it as a better option. So. We want to give a shout-out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com. Uh, and because they are just so freaking awesome, our friends over at 4814, best, best hosts on the planet. That is not an easy thing for me to say. Uh, not because it's not true, but because it's really, really hard to alliterate that many S sounds. It is true, though. They are pretty darn good. They are very awesome. 24-hour support. They are always there when we need them. If we have issues, and we do have issues, both psychological and website-related, they are there to help us. They always get us taken care of and set us right. They are just just plain awesome. You should check them out, 48-14.com, for all of your hosting needs. They don't help me with my psychological problems. Well, you haven't put in a help desk ticket. <laughs> Yours are a little too deep, dude. I'll go put in a ticket. Make it urgent. It's a severity <laughs> three. Site-wide outage. Okay, uh, this week has been really, really slow on news. News is kind of from everywhere, and it's, yeah, it's kind of boring. I won't lie. We will try and make it as interesting as possible. News is everywhere, yet nowhere. Listenership for this episode just fell off right there. <laughs> Either that, or people are telling their friends, come listen, let's see what these idiots do for the next hour. It's gonna well, be I'll be juggling. I'll be beatboxing. I saw a guy juggling his kid tonight, like with what? one arm. I kid <laughs> you not. That's not juggling. That's ch- child abuse. He's like he like grabbed his kid, and his kid was loving it. He's like, "Flip me, dad!" And he like throws his kid up in the air. And yeah, it was amazing. I asked him, "I like you ever miss?" <laughs> I did once. <laughs> he doesn't remember it much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess I that's, what, that's what special I, forces training will do. I used to juggle goslings, goslings, little baby geese. So you're why geese are so angry. No one even gets the reference. My goodness. Sorry. Okay. Into our headlines. We have some really weird ones, um, but they're no less worthy. First one comes from the department of, okay, but why? It turns out that uh, they're working on a kind of storage medium. A, a disc that can be stored for long term and can hold a lot more information than just a Blu-ray. Well, that successor has been officially announced, and it is called Archival Disc. That's a stupid name, by the way. It's a very stupid name. It's a worse logo, too. Um, I, I kind of think the logo is pretty cool. It's like a tribal battle axe or something. It looks like something some Guido would have tattooed on their shoulder. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. 
I want you that know, tattooed on my shoulder. Did I just piss off all our Guido listeners? It's going to be like on the back end of a Jeep with some sea turtle vinyls. <laughs> you know, and a Hawaiian flower. They won't even know what it is. But yeah, it, it's very stylized. No, you're right. It is tribal. It's a tribal A and D put together. Uh, this comes to us from the camp of Sony and Panasonic. Now, this immediately raises two questions. Why Sony and Panasonic? Isn't Philips usually like right there? Philips and IBM, aren't they usually up there when it comes to new medias? Uh, in fact, Sony does not have a real good winning streak when it comes to introducing new physical media for us. See Minidisc? <laughs> See Betamax? Betamax? Yeah. You know, h- huge everywhere except for the world. <laughs> huge um, in Sony's offices. Huge in Japan, I should say. Betamax was big in Japan, so was Minidisc. In fact, Minidiscs only finally got phased out a couple years ago. I still have a couple, and they all have uh, Weird Al music on them. They look really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but Sony then did make it big with the Blu-ray, because that was a Sony invention. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it beat out HD DVD because they were so uncrackable, because they had the anti-piracy measure put in there, and you couldn't crack them, which took about two weeks to crack. <laughs> so, you know, good job. Well, you know, and this kind of makes sense. Uh, we've seen Sony... Uh selling off a lot of their their buildings and uh, and infrastructure and this I wonder if this is why either they're they're partnershiping with Panasonic or they're throwing all their money into R&D for this archival disc so or just or recouping it after the fact well that's a good point the interesting thing about this to me is that both Sony and Panasonic are going to be launching their own discs but because they've standardized it they're not competition i guess they're compatible so it's not like mm-hmm. the blu-ray hd dvd or the vhs betamax wars it they're gonna they're gonna both be there yeah now we should give it some specifics here currently blu-rays can hold two layers uh for 25 gigs each for a total of 50 gigs uh, by layers i mean there's actually multiple layers to that optical drive going back in time a bit the old cds cds were a single layer and use a very uh, low, a very wide wavelength laser to both burn and read, so the tracks had to be separated by a certain amount of space. That's why you could only fit up to 700 megs per CD. Blu-rays came along, they use a much tighter focused beam, so you can put the tracks of data closer together. Also, by altering the frequency of the tra- of the lasers and of the tracks, you could put multiple tracks on top of each other, and the laser would pass through one layer before reading the layer behind it. They only got it to work with two. This new archive disc, however, is um, can put multiple tracks on top of each other and put the tracks so close together that they have a 300 gigabyte disc coming out and they have plans to release a one terabyte disc. Yeah, That's kind of cool. Um, however, I, it does make me wonder one thing here, and I'm not an expert on this. I mean, I know a lot of different tech, uh, but this is not one of it. Optical media is not time-proof. It will eventually biodegrade. It will decompose. The reflective layers inside a an optical disc will not last forever. They don't have the same problems that actual magnetic tape has in that every time you read it, it actually starts to degrade. It, it's free from that. But the plastic it's made out of will start to pit, will start to decompose, and the metallic backing that actually holds the data will also start to decompose. So I'm kind of wondering what, what their plans are to counteract that. 
And if you leave it in your hot, hot car on a summer day, it's done. It just speeds it up. Yeah. Anything in your hot car on a summer day is bad. <laughs> but, but yeah, you bring up a good point, Zuki, and I wonder why they're calling this the archival disc, because it's, it, for those reasons, it's not really good at archiving things. Yeah. Nobody's going to put anything on here for long term, and if they do, they don't know what they're doing. So, Well, and it's like, from what I remember... And if we happen to have any electrical engineers out there, storage media engineers, I, I highly doubt it. But if you do, please write us and let us know. Um, if I remember correctly, flash media, if built correctly, can last the test of time. Optical media currently can't. Magnetic media will start to reset itself. It will go back. Film does the same thing. So... The question is, is, and maybe they have thought of this. Maybe they've made it out of some super plastic that doesn't degrade. Maybe the, the backings are totally different and doesn't have this issue. But they're not really saying what it is. Maybe they're worried about patents. We don't know. So. How long In do the, you think until this catches on? Or do you think this ever will actually catch on? With the progress that we've seen towards everything going to a streaming format people don't have discs you know it, i <sighs> it might be it, this might house 4k streams for our 4k videos because currently the way our internet is set up we do not have the infrastructure to handle 4k streams to very many people at the same time and by very many people i'm, I'm thinking you know netflix members um so I, I wonder if this would house 4k videos you try to put a 4K video on a Blu-ray, you'll get 10 minutes of video. So. Well, okay, and here's the question, and this is just pure, you know, let's go on the spitball here. Which one will catch on faster? The proliferation of of archive discs with 4K movies on it? Are we going to see blockbusters open back up? Or would are we so far gone from physical media that it's easier and faster just to upgrade our infrastructure to handle 4K? 4K streams, I mean. That's a good question. Which Because we've dismantled so much of the physical media infrastructure. Redbox is about is about it. Yeah. That's, yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, in, in, in all honesty, I, I think I think it would be cheaper to to uh, try to revitalize the physical market than to try to make our infrastructure more robust. Uh the only reason I say that is our current infrastructure is the same infrastructure we had 20 years ago, except for the fact that some servers are now equipped with uh, with fiber connections, um, and that and that's not really, you know what I mean? Well, we, we had that breakthrough by IBM a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it here on the show where they were able to increase speeds dramatically over a non-powered connection. But that's still only between fiber connections. There's still... 60% of our infrastructure out there that's still copper. So, hmm. And let's not forget the aluminum connections. <laughs> but this does kind of raise the question, are we going to have to go out and buy everything on archive disc now? No. I'll, I'll still be buying everything on DVD. <laughs> I'm so glad that George Lucas doesn't own Star Wars anymore. Because you know he'd come out with... When like, I heard about archive disc, I finally knew that I could put everything I ever wanted onto one thing. Yeah. There's a plus. One disc for all Star Wars episodes. Yeah. <laughs> plus the Clone Wars. Plus uh, The Star Ewoks. Wars Christmas special. <laughs> yeah. All plus of them. Plus the, the first six seasons of Everybody Loves Raymond. 
<laughs> just, because. just because. Okay, so um, you know, that's an interesting question on that one. Will it be used for physical media in the commercial market in this way? And if it does, does it mean that we're going to see a resurgence of physical media? I honestly don't know. It'd be very interesting to take on there. Um, speaking of streaming media, however, Schmitty, Schmitty was dealt a low blow this week. I don't mean that in an inappropriate manner. <laughs> Pretty sure Schmitty's rage is over 9,000. Okay, so so many of you may know that I am a huge advocate of the uh, TV service called Aereo. Um, Aereo allows people like me, who don't get access to over-the-air signal, um, to enjoy their local television stations over the Internet. And let's touch on that. Why is it that you can't plug in an antenna in and, and just use it? <laughs> well, okay. I live in an, uh, a very remote. Well, it's not very remote. It's by by rural standards. It it is it's it's a decent city, um, and through line of sight, I can pick up almost any station that I want if I get a unidirectional antenna. I cannot pick up all of them, however, unless I buy thirteen different unidirectional antennas and point them all in the exact location that I need. So. The cheaper way to battle that is Aereo. $8 a month. It was perfect for us. We could watch news. We could watch the Olympics. Um, we can watch Jimmy Fallon late night. So, so this is <laughs> this was a really interesting scenario that probably, admittedly, not everyone's going to have, where you couldn't get broadcast, but you have high-speed internet, mm-hmm. and you could have gotten cable, should you want. You, know, you could have gotten cable or dish. That was available to you, but actual aerial over the air was not right which is kind of bizarre but it does happen well so and i'm air- thinking if it's happening to schmitty and all his neighbors it's got to be happening to a lot of people across this country yeah right yeah, well, so air- let- yeah aereo doesn't appeal to a lot of people because a lot of people get free over the air tv because that's that's just geographically where the place they get that what Aereo did was it took, if I understand it correctly, it took that signal, received it somewhere else, and then streamed it over the internet to Schmitty. Yep. Well, broadcasters didn't like that much for reasons I truly don't understand, but okay. Um, and it was taken out of Utah and, or out of Salt Lake City and Denver. Yeah, there, there's a, uh, <clears throat> there's a hearing uh, in the su- Supreme Court coming up in April. April 22nd is, is the hearing. Um, because uh, there's all these broadcasters that are against it, don't understand the technology. Um, however, a lot of the markets that they're in, um, those legislations have allowed them to keep service in those areas. Salt Lake is the, or, or Utah, the Utah District Court um, is the first place, the only place that is telling them that they cannot continue service until the decision is made at the Supreme Court. And this affects both Salt Lake City and Denver because I, I think Denver's in the same district. Um, so and, and that's the reason. We're the only district that has made that decision, and it's pissing a lot of people off. <laughs> now, to be fair, and this is, what, this is why I don't understand it, okay? It's not like Aereo is taking ads out, right? No. They're and they're not ads. giving you pay-per-view services or paid subscription channels. It's not like they're giving you free HBO. This is stuff that if you if you were to actually have an antenna and a long enough cable, you could go set the antenna out somewhere else and get this same service. Yes, and that's exactly what they do. Allegedly, according to them, and I'm I'm prone to believe them. Um, they have 
a separate antenna for every customer. Um, and if if you're familiar with those really small antennas you can buy for your computers, I can imagine hundreds of those set up on servers. It's it's plausible. Um, yeah. And so everyone has an antenna, and that antenna is assigned to you. And I'm paying for 40 gig, I think that's 40 gig, of DVR space, and that hard drive is assigned to me. When I log into my account, I'm watching those streams, and they're only available to me, which makes sense. And it's just like Zook said, it's as if I were to have set up an antenna 20 miles away and a long cable. <laughs> it wouldn't have been illegal that way. And yeah, so this is, they truly don't understand the technology in this case. This isn't like the, the hopper where it can auto hop through commercials. It's not like they're stripping ads out or putting their own in, and they're not really charging him a huge amount to make money off of someone else's property. They're really just charging him for transmission of service and hard drive space. It's what, seven bucks a month, something like that? Seven ninety five a month, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, it's just, it's just bizarre. Well, and the I, and interesting. Think, oh, go ahead, Shmi. I, I think mainly they're 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 attacking this one because they don't understand the technology, and two because it's a small company. Comcast has been doing the same thing for a while with Slingbox, and you haven't seen anybody attack that. That's a big company, <laughs> so kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, that's essentially what this is. It's like they've got a sling box hooked up and you log in to watch what's on the sling box. That's actually a really good analogy. So now, unfortunately, it looks like the commander in chief may be siding with the broadcasters. This is funny to me because love them or hate them. Everyone has kind of caught on that Obama actually knows tech, at least knows it enough to realize it's an issue, you know. He understands the internet. He use, utilizes it for his own campaigns. He met with bro, with broadcasters from YouTube to figure out how to better disseminate information across the internet. He's met with all the tech giants of the U.S. He knows tech more than any other president we've had. Yep. And so it kind of baffles me that for some reason in this case, he's siding with broadcasters. Well, I, I kind of want to go down a limb, and I'm, I don't like getting political, but um, is he siding with the broadcasters because he understands the tech or because he wants to side with the broadcasters he wants to keep those people in his pocket because xyz i don't know <laughs> that's so, don't a good know. question i i'm gonna throw something else out here and i i'm gonna try not to get political but well, unlike schmitty zoner doesn't mind <laughs> i i really don't mind but isn't correct me if i'm wrong but isn't this the same guy that said Everybody has a fundamental right to high-speed internet. If yeah. you've got a right to high-speed internet, how do you not have a right to local news channels? Well, you do. Just get them over the internet. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, it, there's, there's a flaw in that logic there. Yeah. yeah, there's something that isn't... Either Aereo is so small that they haven't been able to pull at the president's ear, and these broadcast companies are big enough that they have that ability... Or something's been lost. Like, we're not getting part of the picture, because the picture as it stands right now just doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, no. I, I can get the over-the-air broadcasts. All I need is an $80 unidirectional HD antenna, and I have to you find out ex of them. exactly where to point it. And I get one station. If I want another station, I have to buy another $80 HD antenna and point that in the right direction. So after after almost $800, $1,000 of me buying antennas... I can get all the stations. So I do have access to them. Your house will look like <laughs> SETI, but... 
<laughs> I'll hide them in the roof. It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I'm actually pretty sure there's some like government mandate saying you can't have that many antennas in a residence because of cancer or something. Yeah, you so. know they have something like that, yeah. Uh, so no, no. maybe that's not an option for me. And even if they don't, you're about to get real unpopular with your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I'll share my TV with you. I'll set up areas. No, because then you'll go to court. Oh, yeah. Oh. Ther- thermal images from space show Smitty's house is just this white, hot... It's amazing. We can put microwave popcorn out on the counter, and it just goes. It starts popping itself. <laughs> we get really crappy cell phone reception, though. Okay, um, into some Android news. This one, I don't know if it's going to affect many people. Kind of, Yeah, so we've been hearing a lot about smartwatches um, and other wearable tech. Someone's smart visor, I guess. Um, but Android uh, is releasing... Uh, they announced at uh, South by Southwest that they're going to release their SDK for wearables um, in just a couple weeks. Probably probably a week, because I, I think this was announced last week. So um, this is kind of interesting, because we've seen Samsung uh, announce you know, the Gear 2 with the Tizen operating system. Um, I think LG uh, had one with their own operating system. HTC announced one. Um, but this will allow more manufacturers to get behind wearables with the with the actual Android operating system without having to um, customize customize the heck out of it. It'll be built for wearables. So it's kind of interesting. I don't, yeah, and like Zook said, I'm not sure how many people will uh, I'm seeing it. this as a big freaking whoop. Yeah. <laughs> and and here's why I say that, okay? Um, back in the day when the Nintendo Wii first came out the protocols for getting a game onto the Wii were super lax, and they published how to do it. And you know what we got? A lot of crap. <laughs> a lot of crap, okay? Uh, when Linux was realized how easy it was to get onto different systems, hardware manufacturers all of a sudden didn't have to make a computer that was really, really powerful or worked well enough to put Windows on it. So what did we get? A whole lot of crap. Okay, this has happened time after time after time. That the more accessible you make certain things, the more crap you're going to get, or shovelware as it's called. And just on the heels of just the announcement, the SDKs actually haven't launched yet. But just on the heels of the announcement, we already have a wearable watch coming out of Shenzhen, China, that looks a lot like a Galaxy Gear, only it's running Android. It doesn't actually interact with anything. It costs <laughs> one-tenth of the amount. It can't do the stuff the gear can, but it looks kind of like it, and it's running Android, and it's crap. Yeah, well, I I don't I I highly doubt that it's running the wearables SDK. Now you're probably right; it's probably running their own. But the, my my point is still the same. Right. Sometimes it pays to have specialized software and hardware. Isn't that kind of how Android is, though? I mean, yeah, and you, Android. You've got your good manufacturers who put out. Good quality for the most part. There are examples of, of failures every now and then. But then you just have a whole bunch of crap. How many how many fifty nine dollar Android tablets are out there? A lot. And account. Yeah. Well here's what's gonna happen, okay? If this if this gets picked up, you will very possibly have a Ouya console, a fifty dollar Polaroid tablet, a set of Android glasses and an Android watch from Shenzhen. And none of them can interact with each other. None of them share enough to actually work in any 
usable way. And they'll probably never, ever get an update. And they, they won't last for very long. Okay. I realize that money is money. And if you don't have $500 for a watch, you can't be faulted for not wanting the Galaxy Gear or anything like that. But that being said, I don't see it producing the same level of results. It's going to produce a lot of imitators and not a lot of actual usable quality. I, now, I did I not agree. call the Oya, I did not call the Oya crap, but it's the only right. Android-like device I could use as an example. No, I, I get your point, but this will. I mean, currently, if a manufacturer wants to make a smartwatch, they have to do what Samsung has done and completely build it from the from the ground up, right? Or it's or it's going to be crap. Now, with this SDK. Any manufacturer can get behind it. Now you're right. There are going to be hundreds of manufacturers, like from the Shenzhen district and uh, backcountry Oklahoma. They're going to come out with with crap devices, but there's there's still going to be more of those manufacturers. The, you know, the mid-level manufacturers. They're going to be able to come out with something that they couldn't have before. So, well, they could have. It just wouldn't have been standardized. True. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been. They just would have had to have done the work. And, and because yeah. it's an official Android SDK, they can get the Google branding on it now. So, yeah, eh, I see so a plus we'll, for it. Well, we'll see what happens there. We're going to skip the next headline, keep it for later, uh, into some really interesting T-Mobile news. Evidently, someone wants to buy T-Mobile. And it sounds a lot like something we've heard before. Instead of AT&T this time, Sprint. SoftBank, Sprint's parent company, is talking about acquiring T-Mobile. Now, how is this different than AT&T's attempt? Well, at the time, and still, AT&T is the second largest wireless carrier in the U.S. by a good margin. You know, Verizon and AT&T are way above Sprint and T-Mobile. So it's possible that the U.S. government actually won't have a problem with Sprint because they are so low. Currently doesn't seem that way, but it's more likely. On the flip side of that, Sprint really doesn't have that many more subscribers than T-Mobile right now. They've been hemorrhaging money left and right. Their plans are currently overpriced, and I'm not really sure what kind of advantage they would bring to the T-Mobile network other than freeing up a lot of spectrum to be split amongst the carriers three ways instead of the four that they currently have. Now, to lend credence to this, however, T-Mobile's CFO, Braxton Carter, has said, quote, it is not a question of if, it is a question of when. So it seems like this may be a set thing. We don't know yet. Well, yeah. it makes more sense to me for, for me to have T-Mobile by Sprint than the other way around. Although from Sprint's perspective, since they're number four buying number three, is a big no, no, win. Sprint is currently number three. Oh, is it? Is it? Okay. I thought that T-Mobile was number four. Or, excuse me, number three. So, okay, never mind. I, I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention. You know, it's not surprising that right now AT&T is saying we doubt that this will ever happen. It's still fresh in their mind where they lost billions of dollars. Yeah. In their, their attempted acquisition of it. Well, I can understand why someone would want to hook up with T-Mobile right now because T-Mobile's doing a lot of things right. And there's a lot of companies out there that are not. Except they're not bringing me another Windows phone. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> Be patient, man. Be patient. Uh, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting there. I don't know quite what this would do in the long run. 
Uh, will this keep prices the same and just increase their network speeds? We don't know. Uh, on that note, T-Mobile has pledged to get rid of all their 2G areas by 2015 and replace them all with LTE. That's nice. Yeah. So, I mean, they're up and coming. They're, they're on their way up to me, hitting it with the big leagues. Hmm. That'll be fun. Yep. Yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes on this one because this, this affects both you and Izuk directly since we are T-Mobile customers. Yeah. Technically, it affects 59 million people. But, <laughs> but it affects us. People only care about what's in it for them. And right. we are people. So what's in it for us? Yeah. Hopefully not um, crappy service and bad pricing. Moving back up to that other uh, headline we skipped, Titanfall launched for Xbox 360 and PC this week. If you're unfamiliar, Titanfall is... Uh, how do I put it? It's beautiful. It's an incredible game. Uh, it's everything I love in video games. The idea behind Titanfall is you are it's a first-person shooter. You're a uh, guy on the ground running with your gun. You have a jetpack. You can run and do a bit of parkour. You can do wall slides and different jumps and all sorts of different things. Oh, and you can call down your own mech of destruction. Climb up into it and just have at it. You can leave the mech and tell the mech to follow you, and at which point its own AI kicks in and it becomes your squad mate. You can have up to three other mechanical squad mates that are just troops that are also AI-based and follow you around. What this means is that in matches of six versus six, you could, in theory, have 30 versus 30. If every person has three mechs, plus oh, yeah. their, their Titan, plus themselves, 48. six to a team. Yeah, that's crazy. That's too much math. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and it plays beautifully. But the real thing about I mean, this is such a good game. People are giving it just glowing reviews left and right. It is currently Microsoft's console seller. It used to be that if you didn't yet have the new Xbox, that when Halo came out, you went and got that Xbox just so you could play Halo. Well, in this case, the Xbox One's uh, console seller is Titanfall. I got a chance to see it and play it yesterday. Uh, it is worth all the hype. It really is that good. It's just so awesome. Well, here's the really interesting thing about Titanfall. It actually uses Microsoft's Azure Cloud cross-platform computing system. Now, we talked about this with the Xbox One when it first launched, that they were going to be able to do cloud computing through it. And everyone all over said, and we even expressed some doubts, that we didn't quite know how that was going to work. How do you offload some processing tasks to a cloud system so the cloud does the processing and sends you back information with so little latency that you don't notice it while playing a game at 50 frames a second, 50, 60 frames a second? You know, it's one thing to send uh, a database job out to the cloud and return something back. It's quite another when it's happening in quote-unquote real time on a server with, you know, with that many other, with, uh, other players. You know, PC gamers will tell you back in the day, uh, if you didn't shut down things on your own computer, the lag was enough to kill you. You know, if your mouse didn't respond as fast as you'd like, you would die in game. So how on earth was this going to work to the cloud? Well, they shouldn't have worried because Microsoft came through with flying colors. It turns out all the enemy AI, all of your squad mate AI, and even the Titans themselves, their AI is all handled by the cloud. So let's say it's a 30-on-30 match. Only 6-on-6 are actual players. The other, you know, 18 are all 
from the cloud. It's all AI that's not being handled on the console. And what that means is that the console is free to deal with other things like graphics and sounds and particle effects. And doing this, Microsoft says they'll be able to keep newer games on the Xbox One without having to upgrade the hardware because all they have to do is upgrade their server farm. It worked. What can I say? I mean, at least now, for, for one game, it worked, and it's worked beautifully. It worked so well, in fact, that so many people were on it, they weren't even able to stress the Azure system while they simultaneously managed to crash the Xbox Live's authentication servers. <laughs> maybe they ought to run those through the Azure system as well. <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, the system was down for like six hours. It affected Windows Phone. It affected Windows 8. I mean, if you have Windows games or Xbox games on any of your Windows devices, it affected it. Uh, and there were a lot of really upset Titanfall owners <laughs> that couldn't play their new game. Yeah. So, and, and this brings up another question, too. Um, does this support cross-platform play between the PC it does not. and the Xbox One? And see, that, I, and that's the big thing. Because they're using Azure, you think that they would be able to do that um, but it doesn't. So Well, they're using Azure for some of the processing, but not for the multiplayer server itself. That is being held on by, um, oh, was it Revival Games or whatever their Oh, the, the, name the is. PC's using Revival? Uh, yeah, and so is the 360, but even they're not able to cross-talk. The, sorry, not 360, the uh, sorry, Xbox sorry. One. The 360 has its own dedicated servers and was actually developed by a third-party company. That's not released until later this month. but Yeah, uh, that's what Schmidt and I will probably get, because there's no way we can afford getting the Xbox One. No, no. I will get the Xbox One version. Well, screw you. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll play with some screaming nine-year-old from Backwater, Oklahoma. While he makes crappy tablets. <laughs> Poor Oklahoma. <laughs> I know. We're not very nice to them. Okay, uh, into uh, Amazon. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you probably already know this. But if you don't, if you've been thinking about maybe getting it, you need to get it now. Prime subscriptions have gone up in price or will be going up on price very, very soon. Uh, I forget. How much are they now? They're $79. Uh, 79. $79 a year. And the price is going to be going up to $100 a year or 119 actually. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. In February, they announced that they were looking at going up to 119 They decided on 100 That being said, this is still an incredible deal. If you use Amazon as often as we do, it's a really good deal. Yeah. Prime gets you like really fast shipping. You next, get next day first shipping. access deals. Yeah, next day shipping for free. No, I thought it was uh, two day shipping for free. Oh, you're right. Two day shipping for free. Next day shipping is still cheaper. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Um, uh, you can also borrow Kindle books, stream movies and television shows. You don't have to buy them. Uh, it's it's really really awesome that way. If you use digital consumption of any sort from Amazon, it's still the best deal in tech. Yeah, yeah. It, when I first heard about this, I was I was kind of getting getting a little mad about it. But then when I did the math, ninety nine dollars a year is still only eight something a month. It's like eight dollars. And now that you and now that you can't pay that to Aereo, <laughs> now now that you can't pay that amount to Aereo, that's free up for use in your new Amazon Prime account. Yeah, true. <laughs> Sorry, just have to twist that knife. Let's uh, see if we can make him cry during the show, Zook. I don't know if Schmitty has that much rage in him. No, I, he I, is not you. I have faith. We will, <laughs> we will get Ariel back. I I have faith. Keep the faith, brother. 
Okay. Uh, Amazon has quoted that it is the rising cost of gas and just trying to get deliveries out that have forced their hand in this. They're not the first ones to do this. They're the first ones in a while to do this, but... You know, UPS did this across the board. Uh, FedEx, DHL have done this. The post office does it almost every year. You have to pay for those delivery drones, too. Yeah. Those Hellfire missiles aren't going to pay for themselves. <laughs> Wait a second, though. If Amazon uses carriers like UPS, why are they paying for gas? Don't they just pay what they're charged, UPS? Right. Amazon Prime. If, if you're an Amazon Prime user, they absorb some of the shipping cost, and that's where. It okay, goes. makes yeah. sense. They're absorbing more, basically. As as I started as I started asking that question, the answers as the were words starting came out of your mouth. It, the, as, as the words were falling out of my mouth, the answer came to my brain, and but I couldn't just stop. Because you know, I was committed at that point. So you're sounding a bit Bill Cosby-ish there, <laughs> and the words and the answers and the pudding pops. Ooh, I want a pudding pop. Doesn't that sound good right now? It does sound really good right now. We are so tired. I know we said this last week too, but all three of us are kind of like trapped in this power of suggestion from each other. One of us says something, and the other two are like, "Ooh, that sounds good." And we're you gonna know take a 15 minute pudding pop break. You know what we should do is we should get like a pudding pop birthday cake to celebrate the anniversary of the World Wide Web turning 25 years old. Nice segue. Yeah. I thought it was going to be for Schmitty's birthday tomorrow. But. No, I, I don't care about that. The Internet's much more important. <laughs> I'm much older than 25, though. <laughs> Schmitty, are you, are you disappointed that I brought it up or that Zoner doesn't want to celebrate? Well, no, that Zoner doesn't want to celebrate. <laughs> if he has pudding pops, I'll come celebrate. Is that all it takes to get you here? Or Bill Cosby, one of the two. <laughs> He's cheap and easy. <laughs> Show the man a pudding pop. He'll be anywhere you want. Um, Do they uh, even still sell really. those? Yeah. Do they? I, I haven't so. seen them in the store for years. Not you can make them. What, well, make them yeah, hard? I mean, stick some pudding in the freezer, but it's well, not the same. Amazon. I'll bet you I can find some on Amazon. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the World Wide Web, not the internet per se, but the World Wide Web turned 25 just a couple days ago, I want to say, yesterday. Um, and this is kind of crazy. Schmidt and I were talking about this uh, before the pre-show, in the pre-pre-show, the alpha show. Ooh, uh, technical ooh, term. Um, it wasn't it ready was, for consumption. It was 20 years ago that the net came out, the Sandra Bullock movie. The one where there's a little pie symbol in the corner of every web page that takes you into the Department of Defense or some crap. And in the movie, she orders a pizza from Pizza Hut online. And Schmidt, you were pointing out how back then everyone was just blown away with that. It was, yeah. It was it was amazing. Like this this new technology that no one knew anything about, and those that did were making crappy web pages. <laughs> and she was ordering a lot of pizza. ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pizza Hut, I want to say, was one of the first actual usable websites back then. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember 25 years ago hopping on. You know, we got an AOL disk in the mail. I installed it without my parents' knowledge, and they didn't require a credit card back then. So there, I was just this little kid browsing the web without my parents even knowing. And the entire internet was advertisements. You know, you go to Gatorade.com or you go to Coke.com, and they didn't know what to do with this website, so they bought the domain name and they put like a static image there. It yep. was a billboard. Yep. But you could go to PizzaHut.com, and it was a black screen with their logo up in the corner. You could put in your address and your phone number and put in what you wanted, 
and order it. And what, if I remember correctly, what they do is that sent off to the nearest Pizza Hut to you. They basically emailed them, and they called you back for to confirm. One of the craziest memories I have of the early days of the internet was I opened up my mailbox one day, not my inbox, my actual mailbox that the mailman comes, and there was a yellow pages for the internet. The yeah, AOL I that. <laughs> AOL had sent me, and then I got my bill, and there was an extra eighty eight dollars tacked onto it to pay for this <laughs> internet yellow pages. That is so horrible. And I, I had to I had to call them and yell at them until they cried and gave me my money back. I bounced like four checks because of that. I was not happy. I I never got that. Uh, and you're right because that was in the days right before web uh, search engines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the only nobody knew where to go. Nobody Wait. knew how to find stuff unless you knew because you like poked around in the dark corners of the internet. Uh, you could find a web crawler. Web crawler was crawler. one of the first ones. Lycos yeah. and Altavista. Dogpile. Dogpile was around back then. I think so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, um, and Hotbot. Yeah. I hot, say. Yep. Hotbot. I remember that. But honestly, you know where you know how I found out which websites were where and how to get there by signing on to local BBCs or BBSs. Nice. Bulletin <laughs> board systems. I'd I'd sign into local bulletin board systems, and people would have built a repository of where you could find d- different things. Yep. Those were useful too. I mean, and looking back now, I mean, kids, uh, uh, yellow pages for the internet. What kind of nonsense is that? That's what I was saying. I, I, because half the pages were taken down because nobody knew what to do with the internet. Yeah. It was useless. Now, it's really funny is the fact the reason Schmitty brought this up is because he just passed an internet milestone himself. Oh what, tonight? This is so embarrassing. <laughs> my first time ordering pizza online was tonight. Yes, I know. I'm in the 21st century, and I am a technophile. But today was the first time I've ordered pizza online. And you know what? It was a very interesting experience. I've ordered tons of things online. I've spent thousands of dollars on online orders, and they've been delivered to my door. But the idea of buying something online, having it arrive at your door in 30 minutes, hot and ready to eat? <laughs> I know I know, it shouldn't have blown my mind, but it did. <laughs> you're used to like getting baby formula and diapers over the mail i know so and but yeah i mean that's the only way to order pizza is online anymore yeah i haven't called and like ordered a pizza with speaking on a phone forever especially because well, they usually can't understand you well, but you know how uh, it happened it was it wasn't i didn't make the decision to order online i'm gonna do it i'm gonna order a pizza it, tonight's it was, the night it was okay let's call pizza hut and I open up my phone to get Pizza Hut's number, and I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. Let's let's make sure we know what we want first. So I go to their I go to their web page after after Googling it. You know, the the Google Now card had Dude, their number. Dude, it's just PizzaHut.com. Well, no, I know, but I, I'm sitting there ready to call because it's um, on the Google Now. It has the the call button, but then you can also visit their website. I'm like, okay, let's visit their website to see what we want. And then right there, there's this button that says Order Online. So I'm like. Why not? <laughs> so it wasn't even a, a a conscious decision of me, and I, that kind of worries me. But now that I know that you can get pizza online, yeah, I, I'm I'm amazed that you haven't yet used the Domino's Pizza Tracker. I know that that's just which is like the greatest solution really cool. for first for the first world problems. Just gets you know? me out. the next time. Yeah, tomorrow we'll be getting the Domino's. <laughs> Papa John's is pretty good too. 
yeah, I like Papa John's. I just wish the the Chinese place down the street from me would allow me to order online. Because there are services that do that. I know we've kind of gotten off subject, but this is really a thing now. And in larger cities, you know, Ruff probably knows this. We don't know it out here. We're not mo- metropolitan enough. But there are services you can go onto and say, "I want um, Burger King. I want Mukukai Pan from the Chinese place over here on Fifth, mm-hmm. and I want a Subway from the deli over on Sixth, and I need a cup of soup." from the other deli that's on 8th and someone else goes out and gets it all for you and delivers it. Yeah. Although they'll, they'll even dispatch three or four different people out if, it, if it's enough variety and then they'll all meet up to package it together and send it to you. And, and you pay one bill for it. Yeah. All right, so those services do exist in different cities. They don't exist out here yet. We, uh, we people on the West Coast or in the Western United States were too lazy. To, you <laughs> yeah. know, no one would do that. You couldn't pay anyone to do that. My concern, though, with the Chinese place down the street, I can't understand the lady when she when she answers the phone. So, I mean, that's that's my issue. And I don't like talking to people on the phone, anyways, which is really weird since we're doing like a podcast thing and we're not together. But um, yeah, yeah, I like it's, I, I like the idea that I didn't have to talk to someone to get my pizza, except that's for the when best. when he delivered the food. Food. That's the only time I had to talk to an actual person. So. Just slide the pizza <laughs> under the door. I left your money up by the mailbox. You know, I came to the conclusion a long time ago that if you can't get it on the internet, it's probably not worth getting. We'll make sure to tell your wife that. <laughs> Except okay. that. Except that. Target. <clears throat> Moving on to Target. Yeah. So Target sucks. Uh, the, the retail chain, we've talked about them in the past. We haven't talked about them for a little while. Of course, it's the hacking news. Well, how could it not be? The largest retailer hack in the history of the United States. Uh, and they're going, well, oh my gosh, this is insane that someone was able to breach all security. They were able to breach the firewalls. They were able to get in there and steal all, what is like 500 million people's information? Or am I exaggerating? Am I adding a zero? I don't know. It was a lot. Well, 8.72 billion. Let's just go with that number. That's that's a good number. Sure, sure. Why not? No, yeah. it, it was 110 million. Okay, so I was slightly off. Yeah. Um, well, it turns out uh, that they had to testify before Congress, and Target points says in their testimony to Congress, they said that it was only after the Department of Justice notified them about the breach that the company investigators went back to figure out what happened. In truth. It turns out that Target not only knew about the breaches, they had been att- someone had attempted to breach them three times before, and their system had notified them each time with an increasing level of severity. They spent $1.5 million on a system called FireEye, which is this ingenious security system, and they ignored its warnings. FireEye can also be configured to um, automatically protect and wipe the system of infection, they disabled that. Why would you disable that? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, as best as they can tell, it is uh, considered incompetence. That is the official reason. I mean, that's like buying a firewall and not plugging it into your network. It is literally like that in this case. It is not like. It is that. Yes. That is my analogy for this scenario. Carry on <laughs> uh, with your words speaking. Now, what FireEye does is, when I say it's ingenious, it really is ingenious. What it does is it creates a virtual copy of your network, of the equipment of your network, and makes that public-facing. So when people try to hack it, 
it's always comparing its virtual image to your actual image. And as soon as something changes on the virtual image, it notifies you. The hackers think they've gotten in. They don't realize they're looking at a dummy copy. They think they're going to town on it, but all your actual data is safe on the real network. Well, it turns out they got in like five times with different pieces of malware each time and were really surprised that it wasn't working. They weren't getting any information. Now, it's still kind of fuzzy how they were able to get from the virtual system into the real system, but they did. And as it turns out, Target knew all along this was happening and just chose to ignore it. Yay, Target. Have um, they announced how many people lost their jobs over this? I know they haven't. They, they haven't. And keep in mind, this is also the same company that created this same login for their super admin as they did for the HVAC guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I know we don't usually make a stance on this show one way or the other. I'm not shopping at Target again. Personally. That's that's just um besides I'm an Amazon Prime member. Why would I <laughs> You could just buy it on the internet. Yeah. Um Schmidty's muted, so that's awesome. But uh Why would you step into a department it. store at all anymore? It's the twenty first century. Exactly. We can order it online and it'll be at our door hot and ready in thirty minutes. I know. <laughs> just like I like my underwear. Okay, um, into some more cloud stuff, and this is kind of Microsoft's things. Um, Microsoft is really trying to push Office 365. This is their online uh, suite of Office products that you can buy on a monthly basis or a yearly basis. And so they're really trying to push this, and it might actually be worth looking at. If you want it, you can get the standard Office apps for $70 a year. Now, that sounds like a lot until you remember that an actual standard Office is $100 at least. But by getting $70 a year, you have access to 20 gigs of SkyDrive storage, which is now called OneDrive, by the way, 60 minutes of per month of Skype. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's not bad. So it's worth looking at. I mean, I know... I, what they're trying to do is they're trying to compete against oftentimes free office apps. Google Docs is free, Open Office stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing I've learned this week uh, is if you have students in junior high or high school, they may be able to get up to five licenses at no charge for Office 365. So yeah. you may want to check with your local school district because you could have free Office coming to you. Pretty good. So that's that's pretty awesome, really. Um, into not awesome news. Um, currently, it's being speculated that the sci-fi series on Fox, Almost Human, uh, may not come back for a second season. Fox uh, screwed this over, screwed it up, and is screwing it over just like they did Firefly. They aired I, the episodes okay. out of order. For the people who are, think that we're overreacting here, that maybe they just didn't like the show... Uh, let me post this to you. If you have been following the show, you will learn that, probably from previous episodes of ours, it doesn't make a lot of sense from episode to episode. It's because they've aired most of all of it out of order, severely out of order. Yep. Um, it's been really hard to follow an arc, and that was by design. It turns out that Fox producers didn't want an overarching story. They wanted a crime, a criminal procedural of the week, like every other crime procedural. They wanted a clone. 
And so that's what it became. But only halfway through the season did they get that memo. So to help break it up and keep us from thinking there was a story arc that got killed, they broke up all the episodes and put them out of order. So we never really got a hint of that overarching story. Just a bunch of empty, unleft questions, unanswered questions. Um, This kind of makes me mad. It was a really good show. It makes me really mad. At least they didn't start with the wrong episode. At least they played the pilot as the pilot. Well, yeah, and then immediately afterwards, they played the eighth episode. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But, you know, you're right. Firefly started with the the second episode and ended with the pilot. What is wrong with these execs at Fox that they don't know how to treat good sci-fi? Because this is good sci-fi. This is a very good, very well-done show. It's got great actors. It's got likable characters. It's a fun show to watch. And just like Firefly... Fox is dropping the ball and messing with it. Well, you know, what's really funny is I know people who don't like it, you know, and, and, and I'm not, well, I'm communists. Not saying, no, no, it's, it's oh. not their fault. They don't like it. Cause you know what their number one complaint is. It's too hard to follow. It's just another crime procedural. It's just another police procedural drama. It's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. They did make it that way. Kind of sucks. Don't it? I, I, I have a theory about why they put the eighth episode second. Um, I can't think- count. Well, no, I well, that too. But <laughs> I'm guessing they didn't get the rating they wanted on the pilot, so they put the eighth episode second. What was the eighth episode? It was called Skin. It was about the... Um, the flesh bots. Yeah, the flesh bots. What, what sells uh, more than, than flesh bots? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, they, they want the ratings... So put the uh, that would have a lot more. That would make a lot more sense if it weren't for the fact that they played the pilot and the next episode back to back. Oh yeah, they were, okay. They, they were on the same night. There was only a commercial break separating the two. We went from the angst and the anger of episode one, where he's trying to find his ex girlfriend, where he's trying to uncover who betrayed him, into we're not going to talk about it at all. The next episode now because he's buddy, buddy with the android and the <laughs> yeah, and they're they're making in jokes we don't understand. Even though five minutes ago they didn't like each other that much. Yeah. So I, who knows what they were thinking? Who knows what they were doing? And I'd like to say. That it's not just sci-fi Fox screws up. Fox tried to screw with the Simpsons, remember? Well, they've done... Yeah, I remember that. Moving them to Thursday nights. I mean, they... They canceled Futurama twice. They canceled Family Guy twice, I think. They don't know what they're doing. Yet they're successful. In spite of it all. Okay, moving on here. uh, We have some other news uh, concerning comics. Uh, The Flash has had his costume revealed. Yeah, for the now pilot, we- for the WB pilot. There's a couple weeks ago, we got to see the mask. Now we get to see the whole costume. I like it. I approve. Cool. I yeah. understand, you know, you can't do it exactly like the comic book, but I approve for what they're doing on TV. I think it's good. Uh, I have mixed feelings. He looks like he should be in a motorcycle gang. Because he's you wearing know? leather. Motorcycle gang run by Teletubbies? <laughs> What, what do just, you have against against guys wearing red leather and running real fast, Zook? It just, uh, it, and it might just be this picture of him. It it looks a little hokey to me. It looks it looks kind of true to the comics to me. I mean, it's not obviously spot on, but I think that they've I think they've captured it pretty good for this universe that they're creating with the whole Green Arrow and yeah. you know, Black Canary and. 
I think I think Zunner's right. I think for the demographic, it works perfectly. Um, if you're not a Flash fan, obviously it's not going to work for you. But I I think, and this is my problem, and I'll admit this is my problem. I think I'm just too tied into the animated universe. Yeah. Okay. Well, the animated universe is completely different though because they're able to do stuff more like they are in the comics because it's animated. Whereas right, and I get that when they're doing the TV, they're trying they... to be realistic. Yeah, and a lot of the costumes they wear in the animated universe aren't really realistic when it comes to real-life fabrics and actors moving around. They're just not. No. I get that. No, they're not. Uh, and, that, and that's on me. But as a person who does love the animated universe, this costume's just slightly off, and I can't put my finger on it. Well, Time we'll, will tell. We'll get, yeah, we'll give it a chance and see what happens. I, I hope that this show does well, though, and I hope that it's a fun show to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, our our last headline of the night is that uh, Scrabble is allowing us to choose a new word to be added into the dictionary, into the Scrabble dictionary. They have set some guidelines. So unfortunately, I don't think we'll be able to release the Quidgy Bow, but it would be really nice if we could release the Quidgy Bow. If you don't know what the Quidgy Bow is, there is a video in the link. It's from The Simpsons. Yes. So It's a big, dumb, balding North American ape. With a short temper. With a short temper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can go ahead and vote for it. Uh, there's also a link that takes you to where you can vote. If Selfie goes in there, I'm going to be pissed. We got to make Quidgy Bow in. Got to get Quidgy Bow. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a bad fart. Okay. Um, or a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling kind of Quidgy Bow back there. Okay, uh, my favorite of the week is, uh, actually, it comes just from a day ago. I found it just before we started recording. It's from the guys over at Screen Team. They're a YouTube channel. Um, They've been around for a couple years. They've done a whole bunch of different parodies. They have an almost daily show. But it's their parody songs that get them the most notice. And a lot of them are really, really good. The problem, or the benefit, depending on how you look at it, is one of the members, Angie, of the Screen Team... She's um, rather endowed. Uh, she has very large tracts of land, as it were, if you were listening to last week. Um, and they always inevitably get the haters and the trolls and everyone who the only thing they can say or think about is that, even though that's not what many of their songs are about. Uh, and so they, they wrote a song for them. It's to Blur's Song 2, um, and it's just for you YouTube haters. So... Have fun. My favorite is pretty simple one this week. It is a video of the best prank ever involving Legos. Some dude gets a Lego Millennium Falcon, spends the day putting it together. If you've ever had the pleasure of doing that, you know how enjoyable it is and how satisfying it is when it's done. And his buddies went and took it apart piece by piece, put it back in the box. (laughs) Even bag the pieces back up. Even bag the pieces back up. And I love his response. He said, I don't know if I should be angry or if I should be okay with this, but I'm already getting excited to put it back together. (laughs) That right there is a true Lego fan. Yeah. I was crying while watching. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) my favorite comes from uh, Jimmy Fallon. Um, uh, As you all know, I once had Aereo and now I don't. Um, I can't get The Tonight Show anymore, so I've been relegated to watching Jimmy Fallon on his YouTube channel. Um, and I don't know how I missed this. This was published back in September. Um, this is the lip-sync battle with Joseph Gordon-Levitt 
and Stephen Merchant against. Oh, uh, that one's good. Though so, yeah, Stephen Merchant from uh, The Office and Joseph Gordon-Levitt from just about everything. Um, it's it's really awesome. Uh, check it out. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Hey, we want to give a shout out again to our sponsors, but also the people we didn't mention, the Geekies. Go over to geekyawards.com. Make your submissions for different content you'd like to see at this year's Geeky Awards. It's the Oscars only cooler. Uh, again, geekyawards.com. And check out our friends over at Eagle Moss Limited. You can find the banner at the top of our website. Love to hear what you think. Give us a shout out uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, or email us at feedback at stolendroids.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.